welcome to another Breakthrough Research Podcast episode. My name is Marjorie. I'm a senior lecturer in artificial intelligence at Sheffield Halle University, and I'm hosting today's episode. The Breakthrough Research Podcast is supported by the Industry and Innovation Research Institute, and we are going to give you an insight into the work that we do. On your lunch, in the morning or evening, we want to be there on your break. Screens down and tune in to learn so much more about not only new and exciting research, but also the people behind it. Today, we have the great pleasure of receiving Dr. Susan Campbell. She's a senior lecturer in biological sciences, and we are going to learn all about that. In order to comply with social distancing, we are making the recordings by digital platform with simple equipment that we have at home. We might even get extra help from small children and pets, so you can imagine that we are having this chat just next to you. The episode you are listening now was recorded on 25th of May, 2021. Right, so to start our conversation with Sue, uh, Sue, can you tell our listeners uh, what is the area that you work and how you end up working at Sheffield Holland? Yeah, of course, Marjorie. Um, first of all, yeah, um, thanks very much for um, chatting with me today about my, my um, research and my career. So I started my um, research career in Dublin, in Trinity College, Dublin, doing a PhD in microbiology. And then after that, I moved to Manchester. Um, originally, um, UMIST, which then became the University of Manchester, and did a couple of postdocs um, there looking at um, the regulation of protein synthesis um, in yeast as our model organism. And while I was there, I did two postdocs. And while I was there, I um, took part in a, um, a leadership and management course, um, ideally um, targeting kind of postdocs who wanted to go on and do a, a research um, uh, or run their own lab. Um, and at the time I was unsure about what I wanted to do. So actually what I did was I used the knowledge in that and I actually applied for a technical role within Sheffield Hallam senior technical officer role in the biosciences department. And so I really wanted to use those leadership and management skills. And so that role let me um, do that. And I had operational management of a number of technical staff in the biosciences department. And so did that for a couple of years. Um, however, at the same time as doing that, I was still in contact with my labs in Manchester, still writing papers, still going over there at the weekends to do some um, experiments to finish off stuff. So that research bug just hadn't gone away. And um, in 2013, I had the opportunity to be seconded into an academic role for maternity cover. And um, long story short, I never went back to the technical team. I absolutely loved it. I had the opportunity to teach um, and I also had um, the opportunity to start up my research career, again, collaborating with my group in um, my old group in Manchester and then starting my own my own research group. And I've been here ever since. Amazing. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more details regarding your research? So you said you worked with East. What exactly did you do? Yeah, so I'm, I suppose, a yeast cell biology. My PhD was in um, yeast cell biology, looking at transcriptional control. So I'm really, really interested in understanding how cells work. 
okay how they respond to that environment that they're in how they actually decide which genes to turn on which proteins to make and how to survive in that environment that they're in and yeast is a fantastic organism to use because it's a single cell eukaryotic organism and what that means is if you think of bacteria and human cells Bacteria are what are known as prokaryotic organisms and human cells are eukaryotic organisms. They have a nucleus that's enclosed, the DNA is enclosed in the centre. And because yeast are simple eukaryotic organisms, a lot of the, um, the mechanisms that the cells use to regulate their gene expression is the same in yeast as it is in human cells. And so we can use yeast as a model system for human cells. And I did that in Manchester. I was using um, yeast as a model system to understand how cells control protein synthesis, how they regulate how they make proteins in the cell. And that is when the cells are exposed to stress. Okay, what happens to protein synthesis and how do the cells recover and, and adapt to that stress? And then when I came to, Man to, to Sheffield and after my little transition from the technical team, I really started thinking about, well, how can I kind of adapt that, um, that research? And what I really did was I took that knowledge and that expertise that I'd looked at in yeast in terms of regulating protein synthesis. Um, and I, I moved into more mammalian cells. And, and that's where my, my research is kind of focused now. Very cool. Wow. I feel like I'm back in my biology class when I was in school. This is very cool. I love some of the terminology that you used. Um, can you tell what is the usefulness of this? So you are, you are saying that you make cells stressed. Do they need therapy? How, yeah. how does it work and what is the impact of this in our real life? Yeah, I think that's really important, actually, the definition of what I call stress and what other, thing, what other people call stress. And I think it's, it's about thinking about where cells are in the body, not just yeast cells, but if we're moving now into, into mammalian cells. And think about the environment that the cells are in. You know, if you imagine a body, it's made up of different tissues, and each of those tissues are made up of a bundle of cells. And those cells can be exposed to very different um, environments in the body. They can be exposed to environments that are very acidic, very basic, um, have high oxygen, low oxygen, areas that have high nutrition, loads and loads of, of um, uh, you know, sugars and, and proteins around them, and areas that don't. And the cells have to decide what genes and proteins to express in that environment in order for them to survive. And what's really interesting is that what we've, we've realized that these stressful environments um, in the body um, occur normally. But what happens is under disease conditions, we're realizing that these diseases are because those environments have just changed and altered. And so the cells have to adapt to that new environment. And it's something goes wrong in that, um, that process um, and, and manifest itself as a disease, really. Very, very cool. I think now everybody understood that those cells, they don't need therapy. They need, you know, someone to regulate their environment. Excellent. Uh, you sound very passionate about your line of work, your research uh, topic. Can you tell our listeners, how did you decide to go on this path when you were a child? That's a very interesting question. Um, I think I just always have been interested in asking questions. 
And fundamentally, that's what research is. It's asking questions and figuring out the best way to answer them. And I think there wasn't, there wasn't one particular person that, in, that intrigued me. It was, it was scientists as a whole that we were watching on the TV in the, you know, in the 80s and the early 90s, just asking questions. And that just absolutely, you know, just, yeah, I, I, just, I just love asking questions. <laughs> Yeah, I guess this is a very important uh, skill and characteristic of any researcher, regardless of the area. Can you tell now, you said you navigated throughout several different academic positions. Uh, can you tell listeners what would you say is your favorite part of being an academic? And now looking at it as, as a full academic that does teaching and research. And what would be your least favorite part? So... Yeah, so as an academic, I'm involved in research, but I'm also involved in teaching. And I think probably one of the most important things and interesting things that I um, get out of, out of my academic role is really, I suppose, teaching the students the, um, the applications of what they're learning. So for me, I would be teaching the students about those basic mechanisms of how cells regulate and make proteins, the transcription and the translation. But what I can add in is that research informed teaching. So I bring in my research and the applications of what we're doing. And it just, I, I just love being able to do that. And the worst part, would you care to say? Um, I think probably the worst part of it is um, not having enough money to do the research. Yes, I, I, don't, I don't think any researcher would not agree with you. Talking about research, from, from what you described about your topic, it's a very applied topic and you are looking at disease, so you probably need patients. So what would be the most challenging part of working with patients and, and dealing with this very sensitive kind of data? So Marjorie, you're absolutely right. And that's been a challenge. I think a lot of academics, um, that is a challenge of, of, you know, getting those collaborations together and, and meeting, meeting up with patients. Um, and I've been really fortunate in being able to um, develop some really um, fantastic collaborations with colleagues um, that have worked within clinical environments. And we've got some really nice um, or really um, fantastic collaborations with some, um, some clinicians. I think in terms of informing patients and working with patients, it's about keeping them informed. And I remember going to a conference. We, we went to a conference um, a couple of years ago when, when you could go to, to conferences. And I remember speaking to families there um, um, of, of patients who had not particularly diseases that we're interested in working on, but, but other diseases. And I remember asking them, I said, you know, what do you want from, from the research and the academics? And they just said, they really just want to know what's happening. How are you, you know, what, what are you doing to help, um, you know, progress the disease? So yeah, it's about keeping them informed really. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Uh, so let's now talk more about details of your day-to-day -day work. You mentioned you have a research group and then from what you said your research involves lots of experiments. So can you tell our listeners what is the reality of working in the lab and what kind of very cool kit do you get to play with? Yeah well I could talk about this for hours and hours. <laughs> so yeah I've got um, a number of PhD students and my research really is looking at as I said, how cells um, regulate protein synthesis. 
And what we do on a day-to-day -day basis is we will extract proteins from cells. We will take the proteins out of cells and we do what's known as a Western blot analysis. And this is where you can use antibodies that bind specifically to proteins of interest. And you can separate them on electrophoresis, on gels, they're called. So they're separated based on their size. And we can identify um, those proteins. And we can um, expose them to different stresses, or we can take proteins from cells that have, are, are diseased. Um, and we can look at how those proteins change, how the expression changes, how much of that protein is made. Is it made in that, that disease or not? And so we do that kind of biochemical analysis. But at the same, the other thing that our lab is, um, is, is really, really good at, and we're quite experts at, is um, cell biology. We're really interested in understanding not only what happens to the levels of proteins in the cell, but where is it in the cell? Okay, where is, if you think about the cell, okay, it's not just this big mishmash of cytoplasm and everything just is, is, is randomly, um, is randomly in, in the cytoplasm. It's, it's really quite highly organized. And so where a protein is in the cytoplasm is really, really important for its function. And so we do a lot of microscopy work. We use microscopes that are known as confocal microscopes. They use high intensity lasers to excite fluorescent parts of the proteins that we add onto them. And we can visualize where they are in the cell. And that gives us so much more information about how that protein is important in the cell and what's, what it's doing in the cell. Yeah, and I guess we could say that, you know, the research changed so much uh, ever since we managed to have, you know, those very high-end microscopes and, and mass spectrometry and, and all those very cool kits because it allowed everybody to have a better understanding of everything that is, is going on in very tiny, tiny uh, environments which is the cells isn't it right so we are moving towards the end of our chat with sue so sue changing the subject now so what does sue likes to do when she's not working <laughs> um apart from ferrying my children around to gymnastics and ballet and piano and everything like that <laughs> there's not really much more time for me um but in that the odd time that that there is time um i love walking I love getting out with friends um, and obviously we've been that's really all we've been able to do in the last in the last while um, I love yeah love getting out I love camping we go camping in France quite a bit probably because the wine is so good and so cheap there I quite like I'm quite partial to to a, a glass of wine as well but yeah I just like being outdoors and just to finalize and invite everybody that got interested in a excited by your very enthusiastic, you know, discussion about your area. What would be the different ways that they could get in touch? So I know you are involved in undergraduate uh, teaching. I know you are involved with uh, postgraduate taught teaching. I know you've just been nominated the postgraduate research tutor for the Biomolecular Research, research Center and then this area as well. So can you tell us, uh, our listeners, how can they can get in touch and what kind of degrees there are in offer in Sheffield Holland? Yeah, absolutely. So we offer in the bioscience and chemistry department um, a number of bioscience degrees. You can do biomedical science, 
biology, biochemistry, human biology, and we also offer chemistry as well. And all of those degrees would allow you to go into the area that I'm interested in, that biochemistry, cell biology. And obviously, in particular, biochemistry would be the one that I'm, I'm shouting the most at because that's the one that I, I teach the most at, um, on because that's the course where you're really, really understanding what's happening inside the cells, okay? How the cell is actually changing and adapting, um, whether to its normal environment or during a diseased state. Um, but you still get aspects of that within the biology course and the human biology course. And obviously within biology, it's a little bit more broader where you'd be learning those molecular um, aspects, not just within human cells, but plant cells and bacterial cells as well. And then obviously human biology would be more of a focus on the, um, the human biology uh, or the human body itself. Right. So I think we, we can all agree that this was a very cool and exciting uh, chat that we just had. So we hope you enjoyed our break time podcast. Thank you, Sue, for joining us. Thank you very much. See you next time where we'll be meeting with another of our researchers. So screens down and tune in. You won't want to miss it. Goodbye. Thank you.